What a blessing. The Lord is awesome and wonderful and powerful and majestic. This is our God and our King. It's the reason we assemble on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. to feast on His Word together. It's the reason we gather at 10 a.m. to worship like we worship, to sing the songs and hear Scripture read and pray and talk to God and about God and sit under the preaching of God's Word. It's because He is our great God and King. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Revelation chapter 5. There's a pew Bible there for you. If you didn't bring one or if you're using a phone or a device and want to follow along on the Bible app, if you'll look us up on there, you'll find a link right to the notes from today's sermon. Revelation chapter number 5. Now, I want to say this very carefully as we think about the church in Afghanistan and the church in other parts of the world where they are being persecuted just for being the church. My point in saying that to you is to not necessarily lay guilt on you. That's not the intent. It's the intent to show that the cost is different in different parts of the world. Now, let's be honest, some of us who kind of live and die for convenience, need to feel a little guilty at how easy it is for us to miss church, right? But I want to say that my intent is for us to rally around our brothers and sisters. I say that to you to soften the blow of what I'm about to say, which is going to sting a little bit. Um, a pastor friend of mine from the Charlotte area posted this, and you've probably seen it on social media or different places, but pretty simple contrast and he said the church in Afghanistan and under that header this is the quote we will gather and likely die the church in America and under that here's the quote we will gather unless there's a birthday a cookout rain nice weather ball game or just something else we want to do there is a difference and missionaries come back and tell us of that often. And I wanted to fuel the fire that you fix your eyes on Jesus, not compare yourself to another church, but these Afghan believers and our friends in North Korea who are hiding and in other parts of the world where they're being persecuted, gather and worship at great cost. Why? To make a political point? No, because they actually believe this is true and that to live as Christ and to die as gain. Contrast that with the hymn written that really captures the American humanistic ideology in the end course of it. It starts like this. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries, it isn't hard to do, nothing to kill or die for, and no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us, and the world will be as one. Imagine no possessions, I wonder if you can, no need for greed or hunger, a brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. You may say I'm a dreamer. But I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will live as one. Open rebellion against God. That's the hymn of humanism is what that is. I know the tune's pretty and I'm going to get some hateful emails and texts after that. How dare you? You write some better lyric and put them to the tune of that. I, I, the tune is pretty, but the song is terrible. 
It's a terrible worldview. There can be no peace without Jesus. What would it be like if nobody was able to take that scroll that Jeremy read about just a minute ago? What would the world be like if that's where the story ended? If John, in that moment where they said, is there no one worthy to take the scroll? And John weeps and the mighty angel host that's called him up into the throne room into chapter four even says to him, I'm sorry, this is where it ended. What would it be like if the work of Christ didn't fully satisfy all of the requirements of God's rescue mission for humanity? What would it be like if the blood of Jesus didn't quite have the full saving power and needed a booster to make it work? Years ago, John Lennon took an idea from Yoko Ono. It wasn't his even. Didn't give her credit until, I think she got a song writing songwriting credit late in the 2000s and penned this completely depressing and anti-Christ secular humanistic hymn called Imagine. He says a world without Christ would be a world of peace and unity. Look around at the nations that have rejected God. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Without Jesus, there'd be no way to God. Without Jesus, there'd be no truth that's absolute. Without Jesus, there'd be no life worth living. Without Jesus, there's no hope, there's no meaning, and no significance to what happens in this world. James Hamilton writes it this way. It's a pretty direct statement. Without Jesus, everything would be a hellish, howling wasteland. The world would be a pagan wilderness full of meaningless suffering and pain where might really would equal right. There would be no justice, no true righteousness, no vindication, and no mercy. The universe would be nothing but an awful, terrifying, trackless labyrinth in which we would all be lost. Now, I know that sounds like your social media feed, but that's not actually the way it is. Imagine. No, thank you. No, thank you. Contrast that with the word of God, who even in, as God reveals the honesty and the plight of humanity and man at his worst at times, shows this crimson thread of hope that begins in Genesis and carries all the way through Revelation. Hope has a name. Peace has a name. It's Jesus Christ, and he's worthy. And we're gonna see that unfold before our eyes this morning in the text. In Revelation 4, we are invited into the throne room of God. This mighty angel calls John the Revelator into the room to see that Jesus not only exists and not only is real, but that's where all of this is heading. We transition away from the address to the churches and John sees some things. John also hears some things. He hears the song, I don't know if it's to the exact tune that we just sung, but he hears, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. It's the song of all creation and all the creatures closest to the throne that celebrate what only God has. God is always and in always holy. God is always and in always Lord. He is always and in always God, and he is always and in always almighty. He just is. It's who he is. He doesn't have to work that up. He doesn't have to get in the mirror and go through some daily chant or launch or mantra so that he gets in the zone. He is the zone. He is 
the I am. The terrible grammar for that is he is the ising one. That's the way it translates. It's weird, but that's the way it works. He just is. This is God. And the worship then cries out, look at this. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who's seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, and here's what they say. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Wow! This is a call to worship. Holy, holy, holy is played and sung, and the elders run to the throne, throw down anything they have that's worth anything in heaven that gives them identity or distinction in heaven, and say, It's all yours. You're worthy. Elders, Imagine that being the call to worship at Grace. Like some of y'all would be like, oh, this is a great church, I love this church. And then if she starts playing holy, 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 if all the elders ran down to the front, laid uh, just prostrate out on our faces and begin to cry worthy is the Lord. Freak some of y'all out. <laughs> right? Well, I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> you won't be having any ties to straighten in heaven. Right? There'll be robes so we can lay down easily. This is the sound and the sights of heaven. It's remarkable. It's a call to worship. We stay in this throne room into chapter 5 as we get where we are this morning. And a question is asked by this mighty angel. A question is asked as the things move around and folks are trying to worship the Lord. We look in verse 5. Who is worthy, the mighty angel declares with a loud voice, to open the scroll? Who is worthy to open the scroll? A gospel songwriter some years ago backed up this thinking before this text and said this, just suppose God searched through heaven and couldn't find one willing to be the supreme sacrifice that was needed that would buy eternal life for you and me. Just suppose, imagine. As John imagines this, he begins to weep loudly to cry almost uncontrollably why he's in heaven i thought there were no tears in heaven in this moment there is he's weeping at the prospect that there is no one worthy he's not writing songs about a humanitarian bliss where man comes to the end of himself why why would he weep you guys have seen those domino videos, I'm sure, online or even on, I'm sure, in America's Funniest Videos where they failed, but where they have these dominoes set up in these intricate labyrinths. I can just, I don't want to tell you how long I can watch those videos. It's kind of embarrassing as an adult, but I can find myself on the third or fourth one for going, oh, I need to work. No, just, um, so uh, you've seen them though, and they'll sometimes they make this great design. If you, the guy pushes one over and then the room turns into this massive design that you see and you go, oh, it takes your breath away. It's some great work of art and it's just remarkable, A, that people have time to do stuff like that. <laughs> um, and I guess if they have people like me watching their videos, they get paid to do it. I don't know. But think about that. Here are the domino effects and here's the picture that emerges if no one opens the scroll. If nobody opens the scroll, Jesus wouldn't be worshipped as worthy. 
If the scroll weren't open, according to Revelation 5, 9, Jesus wouldn't be worshipped as the world's redeemer. In Revelation 6, the martyrs of the faith would not be avenged if the scroll isn't opened. According to Revelation 8, the prayers of the saints would not be answered. Revelation 9, if the scroll's not open, God's appointed plan would not come to pass. If the scroll's not open, according to Revelation 11, the kingdom of this world would not become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. In chapters 16 through 18, the wicked would not be judged. Chapters 19 and 20, if the scroll's not open, Jesus would not come back In chapters 21 and 22, if the scrolls weren't open, God would not reign in glory in the new heavens and the new earth. John didn't know all that yet, but no wonder he wept. No wonder he wept aloud. It was a moment. And then one of the elders comes up and says, hope is not defeated. Hope has a name. Get up. There comes one. And just like John the Baptist, John the Revelator looks And the word is given, weep no more, Revelation 5, 5, behold. I love that word, fix your eyes upon, gaze as if for the first time, like lock those eyes in, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scrolls and its seven seals. My, my, my. Just when hope seems lost, Just when it seems like nobody can get anything done, we fix our eyes on Jesus and worship erupts. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself in application, but can I just tell you, I don't know what's going on in your life. I know that many of us are not that far removed from loved ones just passing into eternity. Ted Smith's father passed just this week after just burying his mother in the last month or so. Pray for the Smith family as they grieve well. We'll give you details on that as the time permits. I don't know what you're dealing with. If life's falling apart around you, what your family situation is, I don't know what it looks like. Everything may be crumbling and if you fix your eyes on everybody that's not worthy, it'll mess you up. But if you'll look at Jesus, it'll change everything. Now, the situation may still be grim and may still need a miracle, but it'll certainly change your song. Let's look at Jesus for just a moment. Some of these titles ascribed to him here, I want to touch quickly this morning. That's our goal this morning, to see our worthy Redeemer. Why would all of heaven stop with all of its heavenness just to give attention to this moment? All of heaven does. The Lion of the tribe of Judah, he's worthy because he's the Lion. In Genesis 49, this is alluded to, it it speaks to his title as Messiah, that he would come from the tribe of of Judah, a little cub lion, it's referred to in Genesis 49. In verse 10, the Bible says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples, that word nations, all of the gatherings, Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Lord will come from the tribe of Judah. This is the way the Lord planted. This speaks of his authority, of his power, and of his strength. Our God is not a coward. He's not some, uh, you know, washed up, has been, trying to tiptoe around and hope he doesn't offend anybody. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he's in charge. And then we see the title, The Root of 
of David. Of course, you're already there with me. I get it. But that, of course, speaks to the lineage that he has through David. Isaiah 11.1 says, They'll come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Also in chapter 11, it says, And one day... That, that root will stand as a signal for all the peoples. There it is again. For him the nations shall inquire, and his resting place will be glorious. That's a word not used for an earthly or an earthy place, rather. Jeremiah 23 also alludes to this. It's more proof that Christ is the Messiah, that he's the source of all of the covenants, and that he is the genesis of all blessings in the Bible. Jesus is worthy because he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus is worthy because he's the root of David. Jesus is worthy because he is the conqueror, also mentioned here. Go back to the text. that We see here the lamb, he's coming, he's taking the scroll. The, they said in verse number, uh, there it is, verse 5, Weep no more, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. He's the conqueror in Colossians 2. The Bible says he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. I want to tell you something. Our God is the conqueror. Jesus Christ is the conquering king. He has conquered. He is conquering now and he will conquer for all time and eternity. The Greek word in here for all you shoe lovers is Nike. And it's translated rendered different ways in the Bible, in different versions of the Bible. In the ESV, it's conquer. In the NIV, it's triumph. In the NKJV, it's prevail. In the NASB, it's overcome. In the insert appropriate letters, whatever version you like, it means he wins. He conquers. He's in charge. This is our conquering king. What exactly did he conquer, pastor? Sin. He lived a sinless, spotless life. There was no hint of even guile in his mouth. He was tempted in all ways that we'd be tempted with all that the world had to offer, but did not sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. He conquered sin. He conquered death, hell, and the grave in three days. Now, that's a pretty tall order. Created the world in six, rested on the seventh, conquered death, hell, and the grave in three days. Yeah, yeah, he's in charge. He's worthy. This is our conquering king. My, 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 what a savior. What a savior. Look on then at verse number eight. Or, or pick up at verse number six with me in the text. I don't believe I have it on the screen. That's fine. We're just about to pick up there. And between the throne, the four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Look at that. I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Jesus is worthy because he is the Lamb of God. Can you hear it back from John when John says, Behold the Lamb of God, finish it for me, who takes away the sins of the world. He's worthy because he's the Lamb. He's standing as though he's been slain. This word lamb is used 29 times in the book of Revelation. 28 times it refers to Jesus. You say, well, what, what does it refer to the other time? Well, it refers to the false prophet. It refers to the one pretending to be the lamb. You see, Jesus is the true lamb of God. We can trace the lamb all throughout redemptive history in beautiful ways. Remember Abraham and Isaac going up the mountain in Genesis 22? Abraham says to Isaac, God will provide for himself 
a lamb for the burnt offering. Wow, it's a picture of Jesus. Remember the Passover in Exodus 12? Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. A lamb without blemish, a picture of Jesus. He was the suffering servant as the lamb in Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 53. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that's before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And finally, the one that you all went to, the one my mind went to as soon as I saw the lamb in Revelation, in John chapter number one, John says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Mary had a little lamb. His soul was white as snow. And anywhere his father sent, the lamb was sure to go. He came to earth to die one day. The sin of man atone. And now he reigns in heaven. He's the lamb upon the throne. This is our king. This all-seeing, all-knowing lamb of God takes the scroll because he alone is worthy. And when he does, worship erupts. Now you thought it was something in Revelation 4 when the elders threw their crowns down. It becomes disjointed. When all the creatures of heaven see our slaughtered but standing, searching yet sovereign Redeemer, when they see Him as worthy, they cry out this anthem in Revelation 5, 9 and 10. Look at it on the screen. Look at it in your Bibles. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on earth wow I mean after you read chapter 4 and see the height of worship there in chapter 4 and the majestic worship that's happening in chapter 4 you ask the question what could make heaven better I mean what could make the worship in heaven even more fervent or more intense what could the upgrade be I have a trip coming up this week and I got a an email from the hotel I'm staying at all the rooms in the hotel are exactly the same it's one of those right really high class you can tell <laughs> only the best just kidding uh, nice it's fine it's clean it's a mid-level hotel I'm grateful to be anyway right all of them are the same I've stayed at hotels like this before and but the email is a form email that comes from these you know Marriott or whatever company and it says uh, available upgrades I thought there are no upgrades here, but I still click. It's a none available, right? <laughs> you click, you get into three pages, you got to accept all the cookies, you got to give them your social, your blood type, you got to do a retina scan, and then you find out there are no upgrades available. What could upgrade the worship experience in heaven here? Jesus can. Jesus can. Let me give you a lesson here, and I'll repeat it at the end of the sermon this morning. As long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, God will never cease to provide us with new reasons to worship Him. As long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, God will never cease to provide us with new reasons to worship Him. But if you're banking on your healing or your breakthrough or that money to come through or this job to pan out, you know what? One day you might get fired. You still may be sick. You might lose the house, the car, and the bill, incur a late fee. Jesus is still on the throne. 
if you're basing your praise on what you see on this earth, I don't know how to help you except to command you like the Bible does to lift your gaze. Lift your gaze and realize as the people of God, we are seated in the heavenlies for a reason. We are to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him went through all that the world could throw at him and endured it all so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus shows up and worship erupts. They're saying, Lord, you're worthy. You're worthy to do what's required. You're worthy because you were slain. You're worthy because you ransomed a people. You paid the price. You're worthy because your grace is enough for the whole world. You're worthy because you rescued us from darkness into the kingdom of your marvelous light. You're worthy because you gave us a role as priests ministers of the new covenant you've made it possible for us to rule and reign with you for all eternity can you process that i mean can you wrap your mind around that i don't have to go around the room this morning but probably most of us in the room have somebody with some degree of connection there it's still really fresh for me Ashley and I are reading texts in the Bible and wondering what Nana, what Willene, what her mother's seeing right now. We're looking at pitiful artist renderings who do the best they can to try to be as literal, literal as they can to interpret what they see in Revelation and do paintings. And then we realize it's never even entered into the hearts of man the colors and the sights and the sounds that are the reality of the redeemed that are there. You may wonder, though, if Jesus is worthy and heaven's that awesome, why do people, why would God send people to hell? I think it's a legitimate question. It's wrongly worded, though. The fact is, God rescues us from where we are already heading. It's like we're all on a ship going down, and, and God shows up and says, I've got a life preserver for you. Come to me. I'll take you, all your sin. I know every thought you've ever had, every deed you've ever done, all the things you've said, wanted to say, didn't have the courage to say, and I still love you, and I want to make you new, and I want to save you and get you off of this sinking ship. And we go, no, I'm good. I want to do it my way. I'm imagining a world with no religion and no heaven and no hell. I... God is the loving ruler of the world. He made the world and he made us rulers under him. But humans, the Bible says, are only a few days and full of trouble, according to Job. We all reject this ruler by choice. We reject God and we try to run our own lives and we do it our own way without him and we fail to rule ourselves, look around, and we fail to rule society, look around. The Bible says in Romans 3, None is righteous, not one. No one understands, no one seeks after God. All have turned aside, together they become worthless. Nobody does good, not even one. God won't let us stay in that state forever. He won't let us rebel forever. God's punishment for rebellion, that sinking ship is heading toward death and judgment. Hebrews 9, 27 says, it's appointed unto man once to die and after this, the judgment. 
But the truth is, because of his love, God sent his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our glorious redeemer, our reviving redeemer, our worthy redeemer, and next week, our returning redeemer. He came to this world to live under God's rule perfectly as a man, yet by dying in our place, he took our punishment and bought our forgiveness. The Bible says Christ also suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, and that he might bring us to God to rescue us. And then God raised Jesus from the grave on the third day, and he now gives new life to us. He's offering it to us because of the resurrection. Everybody's going to perish, but God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Our way of life rejects God as the ruler, tries to run life our own way, and it results in being condemned by God, facing death and judgment for eternity in hell, missing all of this drama in the throne room. God's way of life, we submit to Jesus as our ruler. We rely on Jesus' death and resurrection, and the Bible says that results in us being forgiven by God. (laughs) And we're given eternal life to rule and reign with the only one worthy. Our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan recently had to register their religion and have it listed on their national ID card. In many respects, They were inviting persecution. At worst, they were signing their own death warrants. They believe that Jesus is worthy. They're not attempting to be revolutionaries or contrary or resist the authorities or make a name for themselves. No, they're in a land where it costs much to be a disciple and they have counted the cost and come to the conclusion, this is true, this is real, and he's worthy. For them, where the gain of death is all but certain, they are, chosen, they are choosing rather to live the life that Christ offers them. And it's a life without hardly any comfort for them. They're not waiting until heaven to sing the song of Revelation 5.12. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing the lover of their souls, the lover of our souls, has all authority, all blessing, all honor, all wisdom, all might, and all dominion. I wonder this morning, if you might join with me, I've got a few of these passages woven together. It's a little different, it's okay. I've already freaked you out by telling you the elders might be laying up here next Sunday. You don't know what to do with that. So here's what we'll do. I'm going to throw some of these passages. Let's start with verses 9 and 10, Mark. I think I have them in order there. We're going to do these great passages here. I want us to get a little taste of heaven and say what heaven is saying. Start at Mark on where they say worthy there. Worthy. I want you to say this along with me. Let's read this out loud together, and I hope it wrecks your brain for the rest of the week. I really do. Here we go. Let's do it with heaven. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Wow. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. 
had it not been for a place called Mount Calvary, had it not been for the old rugged cross, had it not been for the God-man named Jesus, then forever my soul would be lost. But for you Paul Harvey fans, that's not how it ends. The rest of the story was this. He came. He lived. He died. He rose again. He's seated on the throne. And he is worthy. I'm going to ask the musicians to come and give you a moment to worship the Lord. Before we sing a song, Julia's going to play. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to lavish your love on this worthy Redeemer this morning. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm curious today. Are you trying to live life your way or God's way? Two ways to live. One results in judgment. The other results in ruling and reigning in joy unspeakable and full of glory. If today you want to begin that relationship with God and living in God's way, repent of your sins. If the Lord is calling you to himself, you feel this urge to do something about it. That's the Holy Spirit working in your heart right now. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're seated in a pew or somewhere else on the property this morning under the sound of my voice. And God is dealing with you. Don't rush through this moment. Talk to God. Ask him to save you. He wants to make you new. Let's worship for a moment. Father, this morning we pray, as uh, Paul wrote in Colossians 1, that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Lord, that we might walk in a manner worthy of you as our glorious, reviving, worthy, and soon returning Redeemer. Lord, this week may we keep in step with the Spirit in a way that brings you pleasure. We want to bear fruit in every good work this week. We want to live and love and learn more and more of you strengthen us with all of your power according to your glorious might. Lord, you've given us everything we need to endure anything, even that that we're seeing our brothers and sisters around this hostile world endure. You've given us everything we need so that we can do it all with patience and with joy. And we confess this morning, you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and lift our voices in song and glorify the Lord.